Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends what is up welcome to the show hope you're doing well out there beyond podcast land on today's episode i'm excited to be speaking with mr aaron friesen co-host of the amazing podcast growing up punk i've been listening to growing up punk now for a while and i'm a big fan of their show when i first started having a blast aaron reached out to me and gave me some encouraging words and i really appreciated that i figured we'd have a lot in common seeing as how we are the exact same age and we grew up loving the same types of music and bands he was the drummer in the band means and we talk a little bit about playing in bands making time to still play our instruments as well as some old tour stories is blink gonna put out another record this year we tackle this we also talk about transitioning away from being in a band. We also dive into the new quote-unquote resurgence of pop punk, what our thoughts are, and what we're excited about with bands and albums coming up. I had a lot of fun chatting with Aaron. It was great to learn more about him and hear about his process. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Aaron from Growing Up Punk. Today. Good. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. My wife's getting the kids settled for bed, so that's oh, nice. a, a bonus. And yeah, it was a bit cooler here today, so a nice break from some of the heat we've been having. And yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's been hot down here. Been in like the 80s. Okay. What state are you in? I'm actually in Kansas. So I'm from Kansas City. Okay. A lot of times people assume Kansas City is in Kansas, but there's actually two. There's a Kansas City, Kansas, and a Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, yeah. And they're right next to each other. So it's a state line right down the middle and then just a big city in between them or on either side of them. And then right now I'm in Lawrence, Kansas. And so okay. Lawrence is about 40, 45 minutes away from Kansas City. And when I was a kid, I used to drive here to go to shows and stuff. There's a bunch of iconic venues here in Lawrence. So it's kind of like the same market. People who book in Kansas City, they'll also book in Lawrence and vice okay. versa. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. I've been living here for a couple of years now. My partner, she lives here. Yeah, it's been fun. Right on, man. Cool. Well, dude, thanks for agreeing to do this on a random Wednesday night. I know you just said that your wife's putting the kids to bed. It's probably one of those things where it can get a little hectic sometimes on the weeknights. Are your kids, are they doing summer vacation and stuff? Well, our school is still in. School in Canada goes a bit longer than, than the States. So we've got, uh, our school goes till the end of June. Oh, okay. So we got uh, yeah, a few more weeks left. Yeah. And then they'll be off for two months. So yeah, they're looking forward to that. And I mean, there's still not, you know, a lot of traveling and stuff happening here. 
Yeah. Um, so like normally we would travel a bit more to see friends and family and stuff. Yeah. As of now, we, we can't do that. Like my family's in a different province and they're still currently on lockdown. So we haven't been able, well, I haven't seen them in almost a year now. So. Okay. Yeah. I was going to well, ask you in Canada, how things are going. Are you guys still for the most part locked down or are you guys in a tier system where certain things are opening up? Yeah. It's kind of province to province. So ours starting to open up a lot more now, but there's still a few that are pretty bad. So they're still locked down and schools are closed. And so yeah, kind of crazy, but hopefully, you know, now with vaccines out and stuff that that will kind of change in, in the coming month or two here. So hopefully, yeah, yeah that'll, that'll be nice. Yeah. Hopefully more and more people are getting vaccinated. We are very fortunate here in the States to have gotten the vaccine for the most part. And it seems like we're distributing it at least widely in the States. So things are starting to open up quite a bit here too. Like we're getting a bunch of show announcements and tour announcements and stuff like that. But I was curious how things are in Canada. I follow some fit pros there. I know a couple of them got vaccinated already. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like the vaccines have been out for, well, I got mine within the last month. So, I mean, they were available for older people and then the age kind of kept going down. And so yeah. my age bracket was open a few weeks ago. So just for the first one. So I still need to get the second one, but yeah, we're getting there. Cool. Good for you, man. Good for you for getting the first vaccine. That's awesome. I'm stoked to talk to you. Even your voice. I've been listening to your podcast now for the better part of a year and it's good to put a face to a voice, you know? Uh, I don't love my voice. So <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, like I very rarely ever listen to our podcast. I mean, I might kind of skim through it just to kind of see, you know, how it sounds, but Sure. I don't know. Just one of those things. Every time I hear my voice, it's like, oh, is that really how people hear me? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe everybody's like that with their voice, but. Absolutely, man. Everybody cringes when they first hear their voice. And it used to be the same way when I was in a band and I would sing for the first time and you'd hear your voice back oh, yeah. through Pro Tools and you're thinking, oh God, boy, no, I can't sing like that. I need to sing much better or I need to sing, you know, breathier or cooler, just anything different. You know, it's, it's jarring to hear your voice for the first time. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I feel like I can handle listening to myself sing versus talk. I think just when I talk, I, I, I just kind of end up like kind of sounding like droney or, I mean, to be, <laughs> to be honest, a lot of the times when we do our podcast, it's in the evening, depending on, on the time zones here. So like half the year, me and David are on a different time zone. And yeah. so we don't start until like pretty late my time. And yeah. I, I go to bed like pretty early normally because I get up early as well. And so sometimes I'm just like tired, you know, so then of course I sure. sound tired. And so anyways, whatever. <laughs> Just for good, fun. Man. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And it is a fun podcast. I've been listening to you guys for a while. I wanted to thank you for reaching out early on. You gave me some encouraging words about the podcast and I appreciate that. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've learned a little bit about yourself just listening to the podcast and listening to you and David update each other on the beginnings of some of the episodes and things like that. But I want to know more about you specifically. How did you get into punk rock or pop punk at first? Yeah, man, taking me way back to my, uh, not childhood. Well, yeah, maybe. So I'll try not make this too rambly. If I am rambling, then just say that's enough. Ramble away, <laughs> dude. You're good. Yeah. So I, I grew up in, in a small kind of rural town, you know, lots mm -hmm. of farming music was, I mean, not something super prevalent, you know, there wasn't really, there might've been like one local band or something. You know, we just had the one high school in town. And so punk music was never like a huge thing there. So anyway, so I grew up in like a conservative home and, and I was always drawn towards music, but my parents 
bands were like pretty picky or strict with what I could listen to. Um, I also had a lot of like behavioral issues. And so I think they thought maybe that would play into it, which is funny because it's kind of what saved me or you know, aided me in that regards as I got into my adolescence. So anyways, you know, I would kind of get tapes, you know, whenever we went to the city kind of thing, you know, as a preteen or teenager, I started getting into music. I started playing drums, just started discovering music more, you know, made friends with a few guys that kind of had similar music interests. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, you know, whether it was like skateboard videos or Thrasher magazine or, you know, getting one CD and seeing who the bands think and then finding more CDs. You know, again, like we didn't really have much of a music store locally. So it was just whenever we went to see family in a city or something. And yeah, just kind of went from there. And yeah, it's kind of the start of, of how I got into music. But yeah, like there was only, you know, a select few of us that were into punk music in our town. You know, mm-hmm. it would have been under, you know, 10 people that I knew. There was kind of the group ahead of me a few years when I was in, say, grade seven. I can remember seeing a guy wearing a NoFX hoodie and just being intrigued by it and not really knowing what it was. But I knew he was, you know, one of the skater guys. And, and so, you know, a few years later, kind of found more of that kind of thing. And I look back at that time really fondly. Like I, I love that I grew up when discovering music was such an exciting thing. I don't really know what it's like now. I don't know if people really, you know, if high school students discover music or if it's just this is what's on a Spotify list or this is what's popular kind of thing. And so, yeah, I I love that time. Those albums have stuck with me. I still listen to them all the time and hopefully we'll never stop. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, it just takes you back to that time and place, right? So you're a drummer. Do you still play drums? Yeah, I've got a drum kit right across the screen from me here. Well, two of them actually. Awesome, man. Very cool. Did you play in bands or anything? Yeah, so I started playing drums when I was 12 and that's kind of when... so. 12 is when I started playing drums and kind of discovered punk music. And that's really when I kind of look back and see my life kind of shifting and changing, moving out of behavioral issues and, you know, anger and just different things. You know, I think it was just because I had something to kind of focus on. I had ADHD and kind of all that stuff and maybe still do. But, you know, as a kid and at that time, you know, there's not as much information about that. And so, you know, my parents had a hard time with me. And so I think they were really excited when, you know, I kind of had something new to kind of pour into. And I think maybe at first they were a little apprehensive about it, just, you know, with what comes along with rock music or loud music kind of thing. But once they saw I was using it for positive outlets, being creative with it, then, you know, they were kind of all for it. So I still kind of bug them now. It's like, you know, I'll say like, you, you, you tried to stop listening to rock music and now, you know, listen to this death metal band that I love or... <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't yeah. stop it, but... You got to make them feel slightly guilty and say, yeah, see what you guys did to me? Yeah. Listen to this no. really scary band I'm into. It was probably a funnel, right? Of just, like you said, cathartic energy or being able to stay present because for you, I don't want to speak for you, but... Typically, when somebody has ADHD, there can be a lot of things that are swimming through the mind and the brain, essentially, and it's hard to focus on one thing. But drums really focus or really force you to become present, right? I mean, you're focusing on several things at once. Do you think that had anything to do with it as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, even still, if I'm, you know, sitting in a meeting or something, like I'm always tapping my legs or moving, right? It's just the way my body is. I always kind of have to be. So yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if I ever really, you know, when I started playing drums, there was just a 
a guy, a local guy that was starting to teach drum lessons. And I was just like, oh, that sounds cool. You know, like, I was just yeah. kind of drawn to it. I don't think, I mean, at 12 years old, you don't really have the ability to process like, oh, maybe this is what's going to, you know, help my issues or yeah. whatever. Right. But yeah, yeah not at all. Yeah. That's a good correlation though, right? Because he uses all your limbs and your brain lots of different ways. And so, yeah, that, it was a good creative outlet for sure. Yeah. yeah so I didn't really answer about playing in bands. So uh, yeah, like I said, I, I often ramble or, or just keep going, but <laughs> no worries, man. Yeah. So I, yeah, I like in high school, connected with a few other guys, you know, that were into, you know, like Blink-182 and MXPX and that kind of thing. And so we would do, you know, covers, play some shows in their backyard. Sure. You know, we didn't really have a lot of local shows. You know, there might be like a high school talent kind of thing or whatever, but you know, we didn't really know, right? At that time, well, yeah, we, we would have had internet, but there was no YouTube or anything, right? There was no way to know that, oh, yeah. this is kind of what punk bands do, you know? I guess it would have been music videos, but you just kind of assume that was just for big bands. Sure. Um, so anyways, yeah, played in bands there and then ended up connecting with a couple of guys. There was a private uh, boarding school in our town. And so I ended up getting connected with a few guys there that I knew were into punk music. Are you aware of the band I was in or no? I've heard you mention it before. What was the band that you were in? What was it called? It was a band called Means. That's right. So, yeah. You told me that. Yeah. When okay. We spoke. Yeah. I, I checked it out and I really dug it. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't want to repeat things if, but yeah. So just, yeah, that no worries, kind of turned man. and... That this turns. is all new for the listeners, my man. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Anyway, so I, <laughs> I connected with these guys and we started playing locally more. We had a lot of similar interests and it just kind of kept going from there. You know, we started playing locally a bit more at that time. There was kind of a little music scene kind of happening with a few other local bands, which was cool. Then we started yeah. getting asked to play, you know, other little communities around here and, and then, you know, even cities a few hours away. So after high school, we moved to the city that I'm in now. And because there was, I mean, tons of shows going on here, we would drive here all the time to, to see punk tours coming through here. And, and so we ended up moving here and just kind of making a name for ourselves and then eventually got signed to a face down records and then started yeah. touring North America full time for a number of years. So that was kind of, you know, from grade 10 until 2000. And so I graduated in 2002 and then we did the band until 2008. So those kind of six, seven years were pretty much just focused on music and pursuing music and touring and kind of living the dream with some small town friends that made it a lot bigger than we expected to. Yeah. You guys got to go out on the road. That's really cool. I didn't realize you guys were assigned to face down. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, we put out two full lengths on face down records. Very cool. Yeah. That's what I checked out on Spotify. I am a personal trainer and I train a gentleman who was in a band called flee the scene. Oh yeah. And they were on face down as well for many years. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. His name's RL. He was the guitarist and the songwriter for the band. They had a female singer. Her yep. name's Kim. Yeah. They're all from Kansas city. I grew up going to some of their shows and I think they in turn went to some of the shows of the bands that I was in as well. We kind of knew who each other were back then. They really picked up steam in the mid two thousands. And by that point, my first band had broken up. So I was kind of on a musical hiatus for a few years. And then I joined another band, but that's cool. Small world. And you yeah. said you guys were touring North America. So did you come down to the States quite a bit? Yeah. Yeah. We actually, we were very, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but we really wanted to break into the States. You know, at that point we sure. had toured Canada a few times. And I mean, Canada is a pretty big country from coast to coast. And there's a lot of space in between cities, you know, like there can often be six to eight hours between major centers. And so we really wanted to play the States, you know, 
for a number of reasons, just because it was new and something different. And we wanted to, you know, we were signed to an American label and wanted to pursue that. Sure. Um, but also because there's so many more places to play. I mean, we would come down there and we would do, you know, two or three tours back to back just because, well, partially, you know, it was a hassle to get across the border. And so we figured, yeah. you know, once we're down there, like, let's just be down there for two or three months at a time. So we would, yeah, like we, when we toured, we just went for it. You know, we would do a month and a half tour and then, you know, drive across the country to start another one and just to kind of try and make it worth it. And it, it was hard, you know, it was years of grinding. Sure. We weren't a very popular band at that time. The popular sound was to be like really heavy and lots of breakdowns and moshing, which is cool. Like we, we toured with a lot of those bands, but we were more kind of melodic, you know, more influenced by kind of punk and stuff. And so, yeah, it was interesting, you know, some of the tours we did were really cool tours, but just not really good for us kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, lots of great memories, lots of bands we got to play with, you know, that are huge now that were kind of starting out then. And so it's, yeah, just neat to, to have lots of different connections now and lots of guys I still stay in touch with. Cool. What were some of the bands, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. One of them was Azalea Dying. So I connected with Tim, the singer there kind of early when they played Our City here, where they were kind of just a small band, like pretty unknown. And yeah. so I had connected with him and stayed in touch with him. And then we got to play a few festivals with them later on and so that was a cool experience i mean they're they're one of my favorite bands and so i'm not necessarily in touch with him anymore but you know they're still a huge influential band and we would often we would like our tours would mix with other ones you know uh, like bands like suicide silence and uh, we toured with amir nice. so just bands that like at that time were kind of starting or maybe getting some exposure but you know Starting the to years up. to follow yeah like we're really big and i'll often look through like old alternative press magazines and just be like oh yeah like we toured with those guys or those guys or just different connections like the guitar players for the band architects is an old friend of ours and uh cool. one of the guitar players from a day to remember played in a band that we used to tour with and so just these weird connections from, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years ago that now these guys are playing in these huge bands. Are you referring to Four Letter Lie? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, I actually talked to Brian quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right on. And then yeah, so, another yeah. connection to that band is Modson. I mean, he's right. kind of blowing up right now. He was the drummer for a little while, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not as into that kind of stuff, but yeah, I mean... Same kind of thing, right? Like, I don't necessarily have a personal relationship with them, yeah. but it's just cool how many of those connections there are. And there's, I mean, lots of them that just like, oh yeah, this guy was, you know, was filling in for whoever, you know? Sure. We toured with a band called For the Fallen Dreams. And at that time, a guy named Andrew was playing drums, who now plays drums in the Ghost Inside, oh, which, cool. is a, which is a huge hardcore band now. And, yeah. you know, yeah, so just lots of those cool little connections that at that time didn't really seem like anything but yeah that's the kind of stuff that makes me miss like ah, i wish i was still kind of you know a part of that and still connected with, with some of those guys but that's well, how you life are. goes yeah no you yeah. are i mean with the podcast that's the cool way to stay connected that's similar to what i wanted to do i wanted to talk to old friends that i hadn't seen in forever yeah yeah and, and i have uh, done some of that yeah it's it's just good to connect and the added benefit is recording it and then throwing it out there so other people can hear that and it just reminds people of the fact that they maybe really love this band at one point and they haven't given them proper listen in a while but that's really cool a lot of heavier bands yeah we were you know so yeah i kind of started i got into punk kind of you know when i was a teenager and then you know kind of went to heavier stuff i mean punk is still my first love like it's still what I love to listen to the most, but yeah, definitely branched into heavier stuff and means started as more of a pop punk band. And then just our influence kind of influences change as we discovered more bands and sure. 
and just kind of realized like, oh, this sound is kind of cool. And so, yeah, yeah, it just kind of progressed into more of a melodic hardcore sound. Cool. Um, and I think being on Face Down, you know, we just got put on a lot of hardcore tours. And so that's just kind of how those connections were made. Yeah, that makes sense. And what was the gentleman's name who owned Face Down? Jason Dunn. Jason Dunn, that's right. Yeah. And RL has very good things to say about him. He said he's a great guy. Yeah. That's cool. Well, going back to earlier, you were talking about how there's really no way for you to know. I wanted to mention this back then. I'm, I'm just now remembering it. The fact that when you're a kid, you don't really notice that funneling creative energy into something, it does force you to be present. I don't think I really knew that about guitar playing. I'm a guitar player. Okay. I definitely didn't know that as a kid. I think there were definitely times where it felt relaxing after you get decent enough and you can just play because it's fun and it's there and it fills the time. But I feel like these days, you know, after kind of learning what meditation is and just mindful practices in general, and even for some people, prayer or some type of a spiritual practice, I feel like getting present and playing your instrument, that's what it's become as an adult. It's like when I play guitar now, it's to be present and of my present mind and just to play to play, not because I'm writing a song or because I'm trying to be a rock star or something. Do you experience that at all when you play drums these days? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an outlet for me. I don't play as much as maybe I would like to. I mean, some of that's just due to some health issues. Some is just time. Sure. But I mean, yeah, I still still try to play every day, even if it's for five minutes, um, just to have that outlet. And I mean, I've I've lost all of my uh, stamina. Like, I try to think about playing a show now. And it's like, man, there's no way I could play that hard and heavy for, you know, 30, 40 minutes or whatever. But yeah, yeah, like it's, yeah, you know, it's a, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it that way, but you know, when I think about how many years I've been playing drums, you know, I started at 12, I'm 37 now. Um, so whatever the math is there, I wasn't good in high school. So 20, 25 years. years. Yeah. There's something that still draws me into it. When I sit down, it still like feeds something in me. So it is a cool relationship, you know, yeah. and you don't have to be doing it, right? Like I don't have to sit down and, and write something. I can just play the same thing. I kind of always play, but it's still engaging and still feels a desire and a need. And yeah, it's a yeah really unique relationship, I guess. And I, maybe yeah. I just don't think about it that way because it's just been such a part of my life for so long. But yeah. That's, it's a cool correlation. Now, every time you sit down to play drums, you're going to have to get all zinned out, like get your incense out. And I don't know if I get that into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah even for five minutes a day that's pretty awesome i need to make that a rule for guitar playing because there will be literally three months that goes by and i won't pick up my guitar and then all of a sudden i get really into it for a few weeks and but yeah yeah i also play guitar as well and same thing like i have one at my office and i have one here like i feel like i just i need to hold an instrument or be around it every day even if it's just to play the same thing but just something about it. it's just been such a part of me that like being around it but yeah it's it's hard you know like especially if you have kids or other stuff going on sure it's hard to make it a priority but I just kind of find the time to do it. And even if it's just for a few minutes. Yeah. I was also going to say my partner, speaking of kids, she has two kids. Okay. And her son has been diagnosed with ADHD, with inattentive ADHD, with a little bit of impulsivity. And we've had a couple of people recommend that he try drums out or some mm. type of rhythmic percussive instrument because it's good for his brain wiring. So maybe that's a good thing. I think there is a correlation there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, think that was interesting. Yeah, 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 for sure. Drums are loud. I'm sure your parents, God bless them. They probably are very patient people, I would imagine. Yeah, I remember they when, are. <laughs> when we would do band practice, I remember sometimes we would do it at my house in the basement and you literally couldn't escape the drums. 
the drums were just loud. Yeah. Well, my, I've got a, a second drum kit here set up for my son and he plays sometimes and it's like, oh man, I don't, I like hearing myself play drums, but just hearing someone who doesn't really know how to play, it just kind of, <laughs> it can sound <laughs> irritating, right? Cause it's like, uh, it just sounds like noise. And sure. yeah, I, I think they were just happy that I had some kind of positive outlet and I was staying out of trouble. And so, yeah. Very, very yeah. thankful for their support on that for sure. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, instruments are good. They keep us out of trouble for the most part until we become adults and stuff. But you and David, speaking of your podcast, Growing Up Punk, I've been listening to it for a while. You and your friend David, you guys have been friends for a while. What made you guys decide to do a podcast together? Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how that came about. So he lives in a city eight hours away from me, and he actually had a different podcast before this one that I liked. He had a, a mutual friend on to talk about an album. So I think that's how I originally got connected with it. Then I just started messaging him and we just kind of went back and forth nonstop about bands. And his co-host at the time, like was kind of into music, but not really. And so anyways, after a bit of time, he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And I had guested on that podcast a few times. I just kind of hassled David and said, hey, like, I would love to be a part of this. You know, I don't want to like force my way in here but you know let me know if you're interested kind of thing and and it just kind of stayed like that for a bit and then finally this other co-host was done and and so david was like hey like you know this other guy's done do you want to kind of start something maybe start something fresh so we did do some under the old name then kind of decided like hey let's kind of you know take this back to the start let's kind of rebrand it so to speak and yeah it's it's just kind of been organic natural you know, we're both just doing it for fun, just because we love a lot of the same kind of music. And yeah, it's been great, you know, like after I've been out of the, you know, the music industry or whatever for, for a number of years. And like I said before, like I, I still love making those connections. I'm still super into music and still stay up to date on a lot of bands and, and just, yeah, was looking for an outlet to share and to talk. And so it originally had just started what was just going to be me and him talking about albums. And then it just kind of accidentally happened where we started doing interviews. We were going we to talk about a band. I was like, Oh, I should just reach out to them and see, you know, if they would want to give some insight into the podcast, not even be on it, but just, you know, give some insight for us. And I was like, oh, maybe I should just see if they want to be on it. Uh, the first band was, I think it was a band called Dogwood. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then it just, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like I get to talk with a band that I love and it just kind of snowballed from there. I was like, well, who else can I talk with? And so, yeah, I mean, the same as a lot of other people kind of doing podcasts and kind of figuring it out and sure. Um, yeah. never really had like this big game plan in, but you know, the more I get into it, the more I enjoy it. And I love getting to be on other ones and talking about different things. And yeah, I think it's just a good outlet, right? Like, you know, yeah. guys like us, you know, we've kind of, we're dads or, you know, guardians or playing a role in kids' lives or whatever, you know, working and kind of that life, which is fine, but it's nice to have, at least for me, an outlet that still kind of makes me feel like me. And yeah. uh, thankfully I have a few of those, you know, kind of outlets, whether it's music or tattoos or things like that, right? Still making me feel like, okay, you know, I'm getting old, you know, I'm a dad and so I need to have responsibilities and whatever, but I still feel like the same kid from high school who's just excited about punk music and and hanging out and whatever. So yeah. this kind of helps me do that, right? Just kind of talking sure. about music and, and doing that kind of thing. So yeah, but Aaron, you realize you're actually young. <laughs> I Well, I, I don't feel so young <laughs> these days, but I get it. Trust me. I'm kind of messing with you, but we're the exact same age. So I always tell myself, I'm just going to continue telling people I'm very, very young. And then I think the universe will hopefully help me stay that way. 
But I think so, you're right. I think doing stuff like this and just any type of a creative outlet, like you said, playing music, listening to music, still checking out new bands, it's life-giving, right? It just allows us to maintain a zest for life and helps us stay young, as young as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I've got lots of friends that, you know, I grew up with same kind of, you know, lifestyle, whatever, but, you know, kind of grew out of it or it just wasn't for them anymore. And, you know, I kind of sometimes look at those people and not like, not in a judgmental way, anyone could do whatever, but it's like, oh, like it just looks kind of lame. It's like, you just kind of, you know, do your thing and play golf or I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I'm still so not that person, you know, yeah. I still, you know, dress the same as I did in high school. I still, I'm attracted to band shirts and I don't like dressing up. I don't like anything fancy, just kind of keep it simple. And so I don't know. Yeah. I think just those things, maybe I'm probably still going to be that 50 year old kind of punk guy <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I always tell people I'm going to be 80 and still rocking Chuck Taylors and listening to Blink-182. That's absolutely going to yeah. be me. But I yeah, think, you know, it's just like my parents who still listen to the Beatles, you know, and they'll probably be listening to the Beatles forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I guess, yeah, no matter what it is, you, there's something kind of nostalgic about what you grew up with and maybe that turns into your career or things and maybe it doesn't, but yeah, stuff shifts, but I find myself wanting to stay connected to the pulse of new music and things like that. And I like watching yeah. the evolution of punk rock and pop punk and emo and all that stuff. And it's interesting because it's similar to fashion. There's always going to be a wave and a next iteration of it. You know, it's like things tend to go in cycles. Sometimes when we mentioned Mod Sun earlier and not every Mod Sun sounds like Blink-182, but some of it does. And that's almost surprising to me sometimes because I'm thinking, okay, pop punk's having another heyday which is kind of strange it's kind of like when i remember in the 90s when they started doing all the teenager slasher films but it was the same stuff that they were doing in the late 70s and the early 80s mm. it was just the next iteration of it it's just yeah. it's fascinating how pop culture it just goes in cycles like that yeah and it maybe maybe it's just the kind of classic you know getting older thing but you know even with some of this newer pop punk stuff i just I can't get into it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's cool that, yeah, there is a new wave of it. And, you know, maybe some of these guys um, like Machine Gun Kelly and whatever that are, you know, reviving it a bit, maybe. Yeah, that's all, all that's good. I'm just I'm just not really interested in that. I just yeah. don't find it, you know, again, because with nostalgia, it's kind of because there's so much time spent with it, right? Like you think of, you know, Enema of the State, it's like, well, I've been listening to them for 20 years. Like, it doesn't really matter what happens. I'm always going to have a certain love for that. Sure. So I think when new stuff comes out, so this is where the kind of like jaded sensibility comes in. It's like, oh, I don't like any of this new stuff, which is somewhat true, somewhat not. I like new stuff from bands that I know, sure. but I don't really love stuff like that, where it's just like, it's cool. It's fine. I don't really think it's going to stick or stay you know yeah. some of it is you know maybe not as authentic again maybe that's a judgmental i i don't know if it's authentic or not i just i don't know it, it doesn't do anything for me so yeah i think it's a fair critique i don't know maybe i tend to be almost too analytical about this stuff and i compartmentalize everything i put everything kind of in a box for better or worse but i typically these days i'm usually putting Artists like Mod Sun, Machine Gun Kelly, Indie, or the next 10 of those or whatever that may or may not already exist. I kind of put them in a box and then I put bands like Neck Deep, State Champs, Knuckle Puck in another box. Yeah. And I tend to lean more towards listening to the bands like the latter, the ones that I just mentioned, State Champs, Neck Deep, and the Knuckle Puck, or even a band like Hot Mulligan that 
kind of reminds me of late nineties emo bands Yeah, and that might be more my style, but I can still understand why machine gun Kelly might be influencing or attractive to people who are just now discovering quote unquote pop punk, you know? Yeah. And it's like the next iteration of blink 182 or whatever. And it has the association with Travis. And I understand that that has its lane and maybe it'll be a situation where that propels other lanes. Kind of like when Blink came out, there were so many people that were crying sell out and that they were manufactured and stuff. And then right after Enema blew up, they took out Bad Religion, you know, on a full tour. Oh, okay. They earned some credibility there, but at the very least, now more people are going to know about Bad Religion. So Machine Gun Kelly has the number one record in the United States and many parts of the world. And then that probably means that that's probably a good thing for bands like knuckle puck and seaway and state champs and all that stuff yeah and even even the legacy bands like mxpx and blink yeah yeah there's truth to that i mean i don't see someone like machine gun kelly ever taking out like an actual punk band you know and maybe a part of it is it's so like celebrity driven which just is so kind of against right like when i got into punk music it was like the losers playing punk music right it wasn't the popular (laughs) kids yeah it wasn't you know the good looking people and so it's just kind of weird it's like you know all these guys that yeah it's awesome he's got a guy like travis i mean travis is pretty kind of celeb connected and stuff too so it's a little i don't know maybe it just comes off a little like yeah inauthentic yeah yeah i well i shouldn't say that i'm sure it is i'm sure they love the songs and it's real it's just is like oh yeah all of a sudden we're doing pop punk it's like what so i guess maybe the kind of gatekeeper in me is like well you don't just get to all of a sudden be pop punk like yeah But at the same time, it's like music's music, do whatever you want, like be creative, you know? So I don't, so when it comes down to it, it's like, I don't care. I'm just not going to listen to it. Like (laughs) that's fine. You know, I I got nothing against them. It's just not, it's not going to be what I choose to listen to when I'm craving pop punk, you know? Yeah, that's completely fair. I tend to listen to it once and then never again. It's more like morbid curiosity. Like when he he put out that record and I knew that there was going to be people at the very least talking about it. I was kind of surprised that it went to number one. That just surprised me. The fact that he sold so many units so quickly after being a rapper for so many years. I remember the first time I heard of Machine Gun Kelly, he was playing Warp Tour and he came and did a guest spot with Sleeping With Sirens on a really heavy song from one of their records, the record after cheers to this feel, I think that's what it was called. And I was thinking, okay, this is a rapper, whatever, you know, they tend to do guest spots on things. So I thought it was a little odd, but when I listened to that record, it was a situation where I wanted to hear the production elements, you know, the Feldman influence and all the people that used to work for Feldman, the engineers and the producers yeah. and things, kind of how they put their stamp on it and everything. And it's about what I expected. So, yeah. And I think part of it is that uh, I don't think Machine Gun Kelly's album is going to be something people are talking about in 20 years. Like they still are about Enema of the State. Yeah. Um, because it's just, yeah, just a different thing. And it's maybe because it is more celebrity driven or whatever. So I think that's part of it too. It's like, yeah, it's great. He's helping to, I guess, bring some exposure to the genre, but I don't see it being like super lasting. Yeah. And, and Not much of a legacy. Just, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of that is just how music is now. So to the credit yeah. of artists these days, right. There's just so much access. There's so much singles it's not as album driven so mm-hmm. i think that too right like when we got albums back when we were teenagers it's like we listened to that thing non-stop you know we're like 10 albums non-stop for however long we're now that's just not the way music is consumed 
Right. And so, you know, which is a hindrance to a lot of artists because their albums just won't have that staying power. But yeah. at the same time, they can just put more out there as much as they want. So there's more content, but it's not as doesn't maybe go as deep kind of thing. So it's yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit more wide. And I think that's why you have people like Machine Gun Kelly putting out a new single every two weeks, it seems, you know, because yeah. Recording stuff is easier and it's more ubiquitous and it's easier to finalize a song and then immediately push it through the machine. Yeah. Whereas Enema, they spent a lot of time on that record. And you're right. We spent months listening to it, years listening to it. And it just has yeah. more legs. It just goes deeper. It runs deeper. And I would imagine in 20 years, we're probably going to be talking more about Enema of the State than we are Tickets to My Downfall or whatever his record is yeah. called. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that it doesn't have substance. It just doesn't have staying power, I guess. Yeah. So that's, no, I that's, think that's no discredit to him. But... Sure. I think that's fair. And, you know, I think of bands maybe in the middle who leveraged that celebrity status. I think about Fall Out Boy and the fact that there was a little bit of celebrity in Pete Wentz when he, I don't know if they got married or if they were just together with him and Ashley Simpson. I think right, that yeah, was yeah. when there was a bit of a melding pot there where you had these pop punk artists that were becoming celebrities rather quickly. But yeah, I don't know. I am happy for bands like State Champs. I think they probably do it the best. Kind of looking forward to their new record. I have a feeling they're going to sort of meander into the Fall Out Boy territory where they do different things. But I loved their last two records a lot. Did you yeah. check those out? Yeah. So again, like you, like with those bands, you mentioned State Champs, Story So Far, Knuckle Puck, Seaway. I like all those bands, but even that wave of pop punk isn't my favorite. So, I mean, I like those bands. I'll go see them live. I actually really do love the new Seaway. It's awesome. I wasn't a huge Damn. fan of them before, but yeah, the new albums got me hooked. So again, right, I, I just, I don't know if it's just the time of my life where I'm drawn to different stuff. Um, sure. You know, I, I still listen to a lot of heavy music as well as punk, but I just feel like with punk, it's more the, the 90s, 2000s kind of stuff. I would pick a, a good riddance album, you know, any day over, you know, some of these newer wave of pop punk bands. So again, nothing against yeah. them. I, I love them. I, I do listen to them. It just doesn't, I guess, connect with me in the same way. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, which is, fair. you know. You know, I'm 37, so it's that last wave is kind of in the last 10 years, you know, which at that sure. time I've kind of already gone through like my really influential years. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, D yeah, definitely love all those bands, you know, certain albums, like I said, the new Seaway stick with me a lot and some of them maybe not as much, but I, I definitely love them when I, when I put them on. I mean, we've talked about some of those bands on the podcast and I love deep diving into some of those records. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much music, right? You can only listen to so much too. So that's part of the problem, right? If I had all the time in the world, well, then I could listen to tons of stuff, but you know, if I have one time a day or two times where it's like, okay, I've got 40 minutes. What am I going to listen to? Right. There's kind of, you're going to yeah. be drawn one way over the other. So, or at least yeah. I am. Yeah. And I still listen to those classic albums for the nostalgia purposes too. And it just gets me kind of fired up. You know, if I'm listening to music, it just reminds me of a time and place. Yeah, yeah for sure. That makes complete sense. And I think that's fair. And like you said, those influential years, that's when you really latch on to certain albums and it may be harder to do that now in 30s and beyond it just may shift too it might be a different style of music yeah. altogether yeah and after 109 110 episodes on growing up punk i counted them up today oh, uh, what 
<laughs> what do you think you, yeah, pretty cool, right? What do now, you think you've learned from the podcast? So it's funny you mentioned that because I often, like lots of time podcasts will have like our hundredth episode special thing or whatever. I was just listening to podcast today. And so he was talking about like, you know, whatever number episode he did where he had, you know, a big guest and we never really, me and David never really talk about like what episode we're on or and, it, and because it's a bit different, like some is interviews, some isn't. So it's like, what are we counting? And so it's funny sure. that we, we missed the hundred mark to do something cool. So I'd have to go back and see what that hundredth one was. I'm not even sure if it was. <laughs> I mean, all I good, guess, man. Yeah. You can celebrate the 200th episode. Yeah. Oh man. That's a long, that seems like a long ways away. <laughs> but I mean, even, even to hit a hundred, I mean, when we started, it was like, well, let's just kind of do this and kind of see what happens. And sure. So that's a good question. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if I really approach podcasting as like trying to learn. I don't mean like in a bad sense, I guess we're, we're trying to progress. The main thing is just who else can I talk to? You know, what other band can I talk to? You know, I, I think we've kind of learned how to make it sound better, like just, you know, production wise and looks wise, which, sure. you know, maybe some people care about some don't. Yeah. I guess maybe just to have fun and, not get you know too serious about it you know i try there's been a few times where i've kind of got nervous to talk to someone and it's like you know it's just a conversation you know everyone's usually cool and yeah just wants to talk music and what what i really love about podcasting now is you know for one there's no pressure right like i'm not working for a media outlet where we need to have a certain amount of listeners or certain kind of guests or i do have it in myself it's like oh like i want people to listen but then I'm like, nobody cares. You know, it's just another <laughs> podcast in a whole sea of podcasts that are better. So don't compare yourself and just do what you're going to do and have fun. And if some people like it, great, you know? Yeah. So maybe I've just learned to not compare, which is hard. You know, like there's lots of times where, you know, I have a guest in mind and then, you know, that week it's like, oh, they're on a different podcast. That's like, that's oh, awesome. Now I get to listen to it and I can find someone else or I can find them too and talk about something different or, <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like it's sure it's a nice not having to compare, but, you know, still that kind of, I guess, friendly comp, not competition, but you know, yeah, I know you mean all, though. Yeah. It's all the I, same thing, right? It's all just to give bands exposure and that yeah. kind of thing. Well, dude, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's actually pretty authentic of you because I think being in bands, you were always stoked when the band down the street was getting on a big tour, getting a label or a booking agency or just doing cool stuff or playing, opening for that big band. But there was also that part of you that felt that human psychology that thought, well, I want to do that too. Yeah, That's cool. I'm happy for them. But at the same time, we want that for ourselves and our band too. I think that's just human nature, but it is a little bit different with the podcast. I just, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that I've noticed the same thing. I'll think of somebody that I'd really like to talk to. And it's almost like my internal brain starts noticing them that particular week or month and they're on every other podcast. But it is a little bit different because I'm thinking, well, I really enjoy these podcasts. So they're probably going to ask different questions and there might be a little bit of overlap, but at least I get to hear this artist and get inside their world a little bit more and understand a little bit more about them and who they are. And there isn't much major competition. It's kind of just like the more the merrier when you stop and think about it, because it's so different than playing in bands back in the day, you know, and I really enjoy listening to your podcasts and others. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on just because I think it's kind of fascinating talking to other people who are doing it and kind of seeing what their process is like and how long they've been doing it and maybe some surprising things they've learned about 
talking to these people and if it's changed the music at all. So that's cool. And I think it's cool that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, another aspect I love is, you know, like I loved music magazines, reading band interviews, but with podcasts, you get to go so much deeper, you know, you can talk about kind of whatever, right? Usually in magazines, it's, you know, talking about the new album or new tour or general questions, right? Or someone who has been in a band doing interviews, it's kind of the same thing. And so I love getting to, so maybe one of the things I've learned is how to, how to approach an artist and ask something that I would want to be asked as an artist or something as a music fan, I feel like I have better things to ask than just a journalist kind of thing. So, I mean, I'm sure there's some journalists that are very passionate about music or, or whatever it is, but you know, lots of time it's just to get that article and, and whatever. So yeah, I, mean, I think I've, I've learned how to maybe try to ask good questions. And thankfully there's lots of information on the internet to kind of get some backstory or history or Wikipedia facts or whatever. And, and sure. uh, yeah, like I, I still get excited. I was just doing notes uh, today for a podcast I'm doing tomorrow. And it's like, I still get excited when it's like, oh, that's, that's a cool question. Like, I, I'm glad I thought of that, you know, cause I really want to sure. know that. I really want to know that answer. And yeah. so, yeah, just learning how to be creative and be authentic and, and just, I guess, try to learn more lots of things that nobody else really cares about, which still kind of makes me laugh. Sometimes I'll think of something and it's like, nobody cares about this, but (laughs) I I do. So if I do, maybe somebody else does, you know? Yeah. And if nobody cares, who cares? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If nobody cares, you know, I know you interviewed Adam as well. And I was a massive homegrown fan growing up. Yeah, for sure. One of the first big shows that I ever saw was actually homegrown MXPX and Blink. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was two weeks before Actor Age came out. And that was such an influential record for me. My first band, we were just obsessed with Actor Age and we were basically trying to recreate that album. But I remember thinking, I really wanted to ask him some really random questions that I didn't think anybody would really even remember. Because I think a lot of people tend to associate him with Kings of Pop. That was like a massive record. And there was a couple of random EP questions that I had. I don't know if anybody wants to know, but I just really want to know. And I just spoke with Nick from Hit the Lights. Yeah. And they did an EP where they did one song with John Feldman and one song with Mark Trombino. And I just for life of me, I couldn't figure that out. I was just so curious as to why that even existed. Yeah. And then he told me and it made perfect sense. But yeah, maybe nobody really cares, but I really wanted to know just for my own curiosity. Well, the nice thing is like everything's kind of on the table, right? Like I've never had somebody say, you know, I don't want to talk about, I shouldn't say a few times someone has said like, you know, I don't want to touch on this. And usually it's just personal things or whatever. Sure. Right. So it's like, I love talking about like sales and you know i'm so intrigued by like how many albums did this band sell then you know especially for bands when i was younger because i just assumed every band i knew of or liked was huge even though they probably weren't you know but if i saw them in a magazine or i could get their cd i just assumed they were a huge artist absolutely uh, you know and some of them were you know like i would love to talk to some punk band just like let's talk about sales like what album sold the most why do you think it sold more like how did that affect the band then yeah, just things that, you know, they're probably like, eh, I'm not that interested in talking about that, but it is interesting though, you know, sales specifically, because I think of bands, especially from like the early 2000s to the late 2000s, how different sales were. Yeah. You know? And you might have an album that was more popular than an album that came out in 2009 might've been really popular compared to an album that came out in 2005 or 2003, but that 2003 or 2005 album may have sold double what that later yeah. 2000 
records sold. Yeah, there's just so many interesting things that go into that. You know, if it was a band, you know, that moved to a major label and it sold this much or it didn't sell enough. So those are the kind of questions I guess I think of that I assume like not that many people care about because it's more of, I guess, the business side of it. Maybe because, you know, we've been in bands and so we know how that affects a band and sure. how much time and pressure you feel from numbers. And I'm not even yeah. a numbers guy unless it comes to music kind of thing. So yeah. Anyways, that was kind of random tangent, but <laughs> it's all good, man. No, I find that stuff fascinating too. The band I was actually thinking of was a band like Amberlin. I think the majority of their fans know their earlier records and those are the ones that have sold the most. But the thing that put them on the map was a re-recorded song on a major label record. Yeah. And their highest selling album is Friendship. Never take friendship personal. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about because Cities is sort of widely revered as their classic album. I think Friendship's amazing. I love those. I I love all of the Amberlin. Yeah, Cities is just an unreal record. And I love Never Take Friendship Personal too. And even those old fat bands, just thinking about how many albums they sold compared to major label artists that sell the same number of albums today or less. You know, to think a band like No Use for a Name sold 500,000 records in the 90s is pretty surreal and crazy. But it just goes to show how different the music business was then and how it's transformed and evolved over time. That stuff's fascinating. You can keep asking those questions. I'll always be entertained by it. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Does it surprise you in any way when you talk to these people? I just spoke with another podcast host and I asked if it humanized to them. Does it change how you listen to the music at all? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, like I, I think I've mentioned a number of times on the podcast, like I'm talking with David, if I have more insight into an album or a band, definitely helps me appreciate it more so depending like that's usually if it's an artist that you know maybe i'm kind of here or there on i don't really love but i don't dislike but if i see you know a documentary or read about the lyrics or listen to a podcast with that person like there's been lots of bands where i've I've listened to a podcast and it's like okay you know i'm really intrigued now to listen to this and because i have that insight and background information it makes me appreciate it more whereas you know, again, back to where well, there's so much music now, right? You're not necessarily really thinking about that as much as maybe when we got into music where, you know, you would pour over the lyrics and, you know, you'd really know that album. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think there are times where, you know, I'll talk to someone or even just have David share thoughts on a band or artist or song. And then it's like, okay, you know, maybe I will go back and, and give that another listen. And yeah, I, I think it's more on the artist that I'm not already sold on that it makes yeah. me appreciate um, more. If it's one I'm already into, then I'm just stoked that, you know, I'm getting to ask my nerdy 16-year-old questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. There's some bands that I've listened to before, and for whatever reason, it just didn't really resonate with me. And then I hear maybe the singer or a member of the band talk on a podcast, and I do go back and listen to their catalog and I do find myself appreciating it a lot more, especially if they come across like good people. I know everybody kind of puts their best foot forward on a podcast, but if they seem genuine and they seem to have a great reputation, a band that comes to mind is a band like Hawthorne Heights. Anytime I've ever heard TJ, I believe that's his name, the singer. I could be wrong. I think it's TJ. But anytime I hear him, he just seems like a really nice guy, really down to earth, humble, appreciates everything that they've been through and everything they've had. They've had kind of a rough career too. Like it's been a trajectory for them. But I I find myself going back and appreciating their band more, wanting to support them more. That's a band that maybe I wouldn't go see live if they came to town, but now I definitely will. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, I saw them live for the first time a few years ago, and they were they were really good. They're not a band I've listened to a ton, but they were awesome live. Yeah, I think they came out at a time where their style of music was just blowing up, and it seemed like there was just so many bands like that that, and I liked those style of post-hardcore bands. I loved Story of the Year and Census yeah. Fail and stuff. I just never really dove headfirst into their catalog, and I just find myself liking it more after listening to him talk to people, and just seems like a nice dude that i yeah. want to support so yeah yeah for sure so i want to be respectful of your time on this wednesday night yeah, yeah no <laughs> you're a busy go, dad go as go as long as you need what do you do for a living if you don't mind me asking i work for a charitable organization that works with youth and at-risk youth so we have like group homes youth housing in the city here uh, so for seven years i worked in housing and then for the last three, I've been doing like the partnership development. So like fundraising and coaching staff through partnership development. So like we all, like myself included, raise all of our own support and everything that's needed to run, to run our programs. So that's what I've been doing for uh, almost 11 years. Cool, man. Congratulations. That's really cool. That's got to be yeah, somewhat gratifying life-giving work, I would imagine. Probably yeah. hard work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I love being part of, of having an impact on, on youth in the city here and you know, that kind of came maybe indirectly, but, you know, through playing music and touring and, you know, there's a lot of hurting youth within, you know, punk hardcore scenes and, you know, that's kind of their outlet. So yeah, it's cool to, to be working with youth in, in different aspect, but still being able to impact them. And what's cool is our office and our, like our youth center, it used to essentially be like a venue. So it's a gym and then some offices and the gym used to just be shows and it was the first place that means played in this city. One of the first places we got asked to play outside of the town we were from. And so it's kind of cool. I go in there all the time. And I mean, we played there a ton and, you know, it was kind of the main kind of local scene venue here for, you know, $5 shows back in the day and saw yeah. tons of bands play there. And so it's cool that we've got a boxing ring in there now because we run a boxing program as well. Cool. Um, but yeah, I'll often go and sit in there and it's just kind of how it kind of came full circle you know, like we recorded music in the basement. We had a jam spot there when we first moved here. And so, yeah, really, really grateful for that opportunity. That's awesome, man. It's cool how that happens. And like you said, it goes full circle. It comes full circle. And I noticed those parallels in my life as well, but that's cool. That's rad. And as cliche as it may be, when I was a kid, when I first started going to local shows and little coffee shop shows, and sometimes we'd go to literally it'd be a church or VFW hall or a small venue that was also a coffee shop and also a thrift store. That's where I really found a lot of my lifelong friends and oh, yeah. became a part of a community. I didn't really know it. And that's kind of what punk rock has always been for me. Just a refuge, an outlet, something that's cathartic, bucking the status quo. That's always appealed to me a little bit yeah. and just making connections and making friends and being part of a community, one that's inclusive and, and positive. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's funny you say that because I just today ran into the guy who used to put on the shows there. I haven't seen him in maybe four or five years. I was meet, I had a meeting today with a guy for coffee and I didn't even recognize this guy. He kind of called my name and I was like, oh man. So yeah, it's funny, you know, like that was 2000 and maybe 2003. I don't wow. know, it would have been like, you know, like 2002, 2003 when we first came here to play at that place. So I've known this guy off and on now for you know 17 years and you know, we kind of stay in touch on social media a bit here and there, but yeah, it was just, it's funny you mentioned that just making those long lasting relationships and friendships. And even if you're not talking all the time, you know, anytime we see each other around the city or 
whatever, you know, we give each other a hug and, you know, just have those memories together. So that's cool. Yeah. You pick right back up, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And there's so many people within the community that are doing fun, cool, different stuff now. And my first band, we had a really great friend that would go out on the road with us and he started a barbershop in town okay. and he's just killing it. He's doing amazingly well, very successful. Yeah, awesome. They got a bunch of barbers in there. So it's cool to see people continuing to thrive and try new things and create things. And that's awesome. So yeah. I was going to ask you too, you got three daughters, correct? Uh, two daughters, one son, two daughters, one son. Okay. My son has long hair. So maybe he looks like a daughter. <laughs> maybe that's what I saw. I just saw the cover picture on your Facebook, but I was just uh, okay, glancing yeah, at yeah. it. So yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Kids are crazy and great and amazing all at the same time. What do you like most about being a dad? Oh, that's a good question. Well, fatherhood came as a surprise to me as in unplanned somewhat, I guess you're you, oh, you always... can't ever let your kids listen to this episode, <laughs> dude. <laughs> what I mean by that is, uh, what am I trying to say? I guess anytime you have sex, then there's a plan <laughs> of of having a kid. So I shouldn't say it's unplanned, but unplanned in the way of <laughs> it resulting in having a child. So anyways, if that's TMI, then whatever, too bad. Totally fine. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, so I was touring full time and then me and my wife found out that, that she was pregnant. So that's kind of, you know, long story short, what kind of brought the end to me being a full time uh, musician. I didn't want to be touring and being a dad. And so, yeah, it was actually, it was a shock. Like I was not happy about finding that out. Like I was upset, you know, I still wanted to be playing music and looking back, you know, it was great. You know, she's, she's 12 now and I'm kind of glad we started, you know, having kids younger, especially now that I feel old and tired. So it's nice knowing, you know, at least my kids are a little bit older because I've got friends that still have, you know, younger kids. And yeah. um, so yeah, Aaron, you, kind of, Aaron you got to start telling yourself that you feel vibrant and young. Trust me, you'll start to feel uh, it. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so yeah fatherhood came like pretty abruptly so we played our last did our final tour that ended the end of november and then i had december january february march so four months and then our daughter came so i had i had gotten married in there so i was married for you know a year and a half or whatever which i was pretty much always on tour and so it was kind of a jarring thing right so yeah i, I still thought so. I still thought I was going to be you know, a full-time musician. All of a sudden it's like, no, now you're going to be at home and you don't really know what you're doing for work. You know, I found, you know, I had been working at a, a restaurant off and on every time I was home from tour. So I ended up just managing that restaurant for a number of years, which I wasn't passionate about, but you know, so I'm done tour. Now it's like, okay, now I'm at home trying to like figure out how to be present, be a husband and I'll be a new dad. And just, it was just this weird couple of years where it's just like, man, like I just feel so out of place almost. Right. Well, it was it's a like, culture shock. Yeah. 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 Definitely was. But yeah, and it was not to cut you off either, but th it, this is kind of interesting that you mentioned this because it was also a shift in identity, which can yeah. be a very oh, yeah. jarring thing. You know, that can be a very <sighs> jarring is definitely a good word for it. I'm trying to think of another descriptor. It's almost traumatizing. I mean, not to conflate it with, you know, really terrible trauma, but I experienced a similar thing where I had to shift my identity and it all seemed to happen fairly quickly, even though in hindsight, it was probably happening for a while longer than I thought yeah. in the moment, you know, it was 
sort of a situation where I think we were headed in that direction. And I'm sure that was very jarring for you. you yeah. know? And I mean, kudos to you to doing that because there's some people out there that they flat out refuse to do that. And there's a lot of people out there that just flat out refuse to even take responsibility for their lives in any capacity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in that regards, you know, I'm, I'm glad I made that decision, you know, and I didn't even really think about it, you know, like since then we, lots of our peers at that time became parents and they just kind of figured out how to make it work and technology got better over the years. And so maybe it could have worked, but I don't know. My initial reaction was just, okay, I guess I'm done kind of playing music full time. And so anyways, like I said, looking back, it was, it was good, you know, I guess with many things, when you look back on it, then you can kind of see different things happening and, you know, what sure. could have happened and maybe it would have ended worse or um, you connect the dots. Yeah. So yeah, I guess, yeah. Becoming a father. I mean, yeah, I guess just figuring out responsibility and we knew we wanted kids. Like I, I liked kids. I worked at camp growing up or whatever. So it's not like it was hard in that regards, but yeah, it's just different. It's like, man, I miss playing music and hanging out with my friends and, being sure. on the road and, you know, which I guess is just enjoying the irresponsible or not necessarily responsible, but I guess just what you thought you'd be doing. So, yeah. So I guess Let's that's also you're, you're a part of something. Yeah. The thing that I missed most about being in a band was I was on a mission. I had a purpose and right. because I lost my identity or my identity had to shift in a jolting sudden way that kind of messed with me yeah yeah and i mean there's lots of circumstances that had it been one way you know then maybe we could have there was also different things going on with some of the other guys and so maybe that kind of played into it it's like okay well i know sure. if the band's done then this guy can move on and do this and that and so not that any of us wanted to be done but again yeah. looking back it's like okay you know this guy was you know got married right away our singer dylan like went to university and Right. You put a lot on hold to do music. Yeah. And so it's kind of this weird tension of like, well, this is what I want to be doing, but there's also other people in my life that are expecting something. There's other things I want to do. And there's sometimes only a certain timeline with which you can do it. So yeah, sorry. Again, that doesn't really answer your question. What do I like about being a dad? I, I love getting to, I guess the same with why I was drawn to working with teenagers is just getting to be a positive influence on them or getting to, I guess most parents kind of like to push their own interests on their kids. So I've always liked with music being a huge part of my life, giving my kids opportunity to be around music. I've never, maybe someone say this is abusive, but I've never let my kids listen to children's music in our van <laughs> just because <laughs> I, I hate it and there's nothing really musical about it. And so from, from day one, it was like, I'm still listening to punk and hardcore and metal in the van. Not that any of them are like super drawn to it now. Like, I mean, they do like some of that, but I don't know, to me, that's just like, that's a, that's a cool dad thing to do. Like, you know, instead of like, all right, kids, we're going to listen to Barney. And, <laughs> you know, again, back yeah. to feeling like I still do in high school. It's like, I just, I don't feel like that over the top cheesy kind of dad, you know, which sometimes sure. plays against me. I'm not like the best dad in the world by any means. There's definitely things that I wish I was better at or enjoyed more, but I enjoy just getting to be real with my kids and, and be there for them. And, you know, as my kids get older now, just having, you know, different kinds of conversations and guiding them through different things because we do it every day, it just feels normal, but you know, it's a huge yeah. responsibility. And, you know, again, with the kind of youth that I've worked with, you know, they come from such broken homes and very rarely do they ever have both parents around, or if they do, they're not positive. And so, 
just being grateful that I have that opportunity to do that for my kids and yeah. And uh, yeah, just to get to influence them, I guess. For sure, man. And nobody's perfect, right? But it sounds like you're doing your best. Yeah. You're well, making, you're making a you, concerted effort. <laughs> yeah. We'll say that there's definitely, you know, it's, yeah, I guess that's just life doing your best. Sometimes just takes a lot of energy and effort and, but you know, kids are resilient. That's true. I, I often think like, oh, I wonder if I, you know, is my kid, I try to think of when I was, my kid's age, like what kind of things stood out to me? Do I remember, you know, my parents doing this or not doing this? Or hopefully they don't, they won't think like, oh, dad doesn't want to do crafts with me. You know, hopefully they won't remember that. And they'll just remember something else like, oh, but he did like going for bike rides or that kind of thing. So yeah, one of the hardest parts is adapting to other people's interests that don't interest you, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I engage as a bystander an observer. It's like when my partner, her daughter is seven, she'll want to play with me. And I'll say, well, I'll just, I'll sit over here and play with you. (laughs) Yeah. She's interviewing me or something. And I'm just, you know, very lackadaisically answering her questions. That's about, it's like participating and being present, but I won't necessarily like start painting or making slime with her. I'll just watch her do it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they're okay with that too. So yeah. Absolutely. Plus I'm lucky because her mom is very hands-on and she was almost a teacher. So she's got that in her. So I think she she fills that gap quite a bit and I'm just the one in the background observing or maybe even taking photos with my phone or something, but yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Well, neither of us have our families here. So that's a big part too, is just not having that kind of help or whatever. I mean, we've, we've got a great community and lots of close friends with kids their age and that thing. But yeah, that, that's a different that part helps. too. I mean, you know, when we don't have grandparents around to take the kids and you know, like yeah. we're coming up uh, on a year that we've had any time without the kids. So uh, we, we do wow. have some time booked here now that restrictions are, are, are lifted that we can take them to one of the grandparents. So yeah, it's just good. Some things like that, that you just got to go through. Right. So yeah, you guys should definitely get some you time, some just the parents time. Yeah. That's, we're that's important. Best. Yeah, that's right, man. We're all just doing our best, especially beyond global pandemic. It's crazy. Yeah, no doubt. It wasn't very long that I quickly realized there's a lot of podcasts kind of doing similar things that we're doing, but it is cool. It's it's a nice little community. And I think we can probably make it that if we wanted to. Yeah. I saw you guys, you just had Jed from Talking Records. I love his yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, for very sure. Very cool. Very cool yeah, stuff, man. Yeah, it's, it's and that, yeah, another thing. I mean, with punk in general, which... I think me and David have mentioned lots of times is it is just so much more community minded. You know, it's not talked about about comparing, you know, whether it's through this or back when you're touring or whatever. Yeah. It's very community based, right? Like nobody's trying to be the best or the winner or whatever. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I love, you know, we've done a a number of different collaborations and yeah, it's all just to put more cool content out there for people who are going to listen podcast this, you know, like ours, they're not like fighting for awards or or whatever, you know, so accolades. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Have fun, include everyone and have a good time. Yeah. And then Hopefully we'll get more punk records and pop punk music. That's the hope. You yeah. know, listen to the podcast and then support the bands and it's win-win. Yeah. Yeah. What are you excited for for music this year? You <clears throat> no, just a- mentioned maybe talking about some new records. I'm curious to uh, to hear like what, what's been tickling your fancy <laughs> so far this year. Anything coming out in the coming months? That's a great been, question, uh, man. A different kind of you know year for music. It's been really 
cool seeing, you know, what bands have taken COVID or this time to be creative and put something out. And like so far yeah. for me anyways, 2021 has been an awesome year for music. Like they've probably got, you know, 10, 15, 20 albums that are already loving. And, you know, we're only halfway through the year. Yeah, I agree. There was a lot of great music that came out last year too. I was kind of surprised yeah. at how many bands decided to go ahead and just release albums and EPs and things. And you're right. There have been a lot of really great records put out this year already. I'm trying to think who I'm really excited for, you know, it's funny, Alkaline Trio, in the last, I'd say, four or five years, people might shame me for this, which is totally fine, but I've really dug into their catalog. I've really become a massive Alkaline Trio fan. So I'm yeah. really excited to see what they're doing because it sounds like they're going to put something out at some point, or maybe it's, it'll be next year. I'd love to see them live. I've seen them live a few times, okay. but I never really knew their songs. Yeah. And when I start really loving a band, I kind of go deep and listen to that band for months. So I, I really want to see some classic Alkaline Trio songs live. So I'm hoping they yeah, announce awesome. a tour at some time. I'm trying to think new records. I wouldn't mind hearing the new State Champs. I'm just kind of curious what they're going to do. I feel like we're due for a new Every Time I Die record. I know they have one in the can. I think they're sitting on it for whatever reason. So I look forward to hearing that record. Yeah, I like the two. Yeah, the two songs they've put out are great. Do you think there's going to be a new Blink album this year? I, I think it was already last summer they had said something about, or it was like a Christmas EP or something, right? That yeah, it, they said they it were, was going to be a full length. At first, I think there was it was sort of speculated that they were going to do an EP, and then. I think Travis was the one that came out and said something to the tune of, we're going to go ahead and record five or six more songs and just make it a full length. Yeah. So it's very possible. I know they've got stuff because Mark, he announced on, I forget what it was. It might've been like a Twitch thing or Instagram story where he was off the cuff being interviewed and people were asking him and he said, yeah, we've got a bunch of new songs recorded. Matt Skiba is recording the vocals right now in a separate studio. This is when everything was locked down in yeah. the States. And then a couple of days later, Matt Skiba was posting pictures of him with Cameron Webb. And I know Cameron Webb, he did the last Alkaline Trio record. So he was doing vocals for new Blink stuff with Cameron Webb. So I'm sure they've got something and maybe they're thinking, well, we're going to get back into the studio and then announce a proper tour now that everything's opening up. So it's very possible. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Blink just randomly released a single and said, hey, we're putting out a record at the end of the year. Yeah. What do you think of their last two albums specifically, kind of since Matt joined them? Yeah. You know, it's controversial. Similar to what I was saying earlier, I'm able to put it in its own separate little box. Yeah. Blink is iconically the three of them. And by the three, I mean, Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, and Travis Barker. That's yeah. iconic Blink. That's their legacy forever in pop punk history, as far as I'm concerned. But I understand why they wanted to just move along and continue creating art. Mark Hoppus, he's going to be 50 in less than a yeah, year. Crazy. So he, he has to recognize that if he wants to continue the legacy in whatever way he can, he's going to have to be slightly urgent about it. I think when you're turning 35, and I could be totally off here, but I feel like the musicians that turn 35, they sort of recognize where they land legacy-wise. And I think in many ways... Being a musician, a professional musician, in a lot of ways, we tend to glamorize the young. So I feel like they're almost living on borrowed time mm -hmm. because I don't necessarily think Mark Hoppus is going to be touring a ton when he's 70. It's not yeah. going to be like the Rolling Stones, or maybe he will. <laughs> I mean, it's very possible yeah, he will. Know. 
Yeah. I mean, I would imagine I'd still go see it as a 45 year old. I'd probably go see him in his mid sixties or early sixties or whatever, but I feel like he (laughs) and Travis Barker, they all recognize that they don't have many more years of doing this in the spotlight the way they do. And I think they know if they want to get as much art out there, and continue to build on the legacy to do it and they have to do it urgently. And I think it's just easier to record. Mark talked about how the old days were he'd noodle around on the acoustic guitar for five months and eventually they'd be forced to go into the studio and record what they had. And of course, everything would change. And they spent a year recording the untitled record. Well, now they go in with Feldman. Feldman says, okay, what new ideas do you have? And he looks around at the three of them and they literally pick one and then they turn it into a song. And by the end, it's this completed project. It's perfect. You know, it's like easy to manufacture that with all of the technology that we have now. So they can do it a lot faster. Just, I mean, the simple creature stuff, they did that in like a few weeks, the two EPs. Those EPs are great too. But to answer your question earlier about the two albums, I like them for what they are, but they're not iconic blink. Me. Okay. Yeah. See, I love California. I know people, lots of people didn't like it. That's the blink sound that I love. I'm, I was not into untitled or untitled or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like the more experimental blink, just, I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. It's like, just kind of, you want them to be creative and do different things. But at the same time, it's like, I don't really, I just want it to sound like blink. So I, (laughs) I really loved California and the deluxe version. Yeah. The last album nine, there was a few songs that piqued my interest, but overall it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to pass on this. So I'm definitely curious to see where they go. It's like, are they going back to the California style or are they going to push, you know, more of that experimental? Yeah. But I, yeah, I thought he also said it was sounding like, you know, kind of like take off your pants and jacket era. So yeah, you know, that, that gets me excited. And so I guess we'll, we'll see, but yeah, yeah, they haven't said much. I mean, we're halfway through the year and they haven't announced anything yet. So who knows? Yeah. I loved California and I loved all of the B-side songs or the next album that they put out, the deluxe version. I thought that was great. It's all ear candy to me. I have always been a fan of John Feldman's production. I know some people don't really care for that. They think it's too produced. No. But to yeah, me, I, I like, like it. it. Yeah. And I've always liked fast pop punk, catchy pop punk. I mean, I grew up listening to that. So an album like California, I was definitely on board with. And I mean, I love Alkaline Trio. I love Matt Skiba's voice. So if he's yeah. on it and he's singing the way Matt Skiba sings and it's nice and produced and it's energetic and upbeat, then I'm all about it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do a bit of half and half. Yeah. They kind of appease the fans who really love the faster, more upbeat T-chord progression, Blink-182, Enema of the State, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket era. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did half the record with Pharrell and it was just a total, they're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. That's, I don't get as excited <laughs> about that. That part. That's fair. Yeah. Again, whatever, you know, there's lots of other stuff to listen to. There's already been lots of good punk records out this year that I'm really stoked on. So yeah, that's okay. Not, not every album has to be what I want it to be. So <laughs> yeah. And we've always got those old albums too, right? Yeah. I feel like MXPX does a good job of continuing what they do best, but a new iteration of it new version yeah Yeah, like with them too their last album was well it was it was good it was cool it wasn't my favorite again either but yeah again maybe it's just because i've had so many years with the other albums and i I might just be picky as well yeah no worries man fans are but yeah still i mean they're my all-time favorite band so i'll still love everything they do in some some regards yeah music is subjective you never know you may find yourself going back to their last record a bunch and really latching on to some of those songs and yeah that's true 
it's almost like you have to work harder to really love these albums, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's part of it. You know, I'm still, when I got into music, it was always like, Hey, what's going to hook me right away. That's what's going to be my favorite, right? There's still albums that I can, like, I can remember first hearing it and just knowing I'm going to love this. And I still kind of consume music like that. And so I think that's what I find hard with some bands like MXPX that are so dear to me where, you know, they'll put a song out or an album and it won't like immediately hook me in. Cause then I'm yeah. like, ah, like, I don't know if I have it in me to listen to this 20 times to like really love it. You know, sure. there's lots of bands like that. And again, that's fine. Right. It doesn't have to be what I love, but I feel like I still consume music like that. Like I still listen to full albums. I'm still seeing what that opening track is going to be. Is it going to hook me in? If it does, then I'll most likely love the album, you know, forever. And so, yeah, it's just yeah. different ways of consuming music. Yeah, good stuff. I feel like I could talk to you for like three more hours about this stuff. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. Yeah. That'd be fun. For sure. Yeah. You can even well, pick cool, some man. albums or something or yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's always fun too. Just doing a deep dive on some of these classic albums. Yeah. yeah or even like you're doing the short, the short dives. Yeah. The neck break, yeah. The neck break dives. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I called the last one Nostalgia Fridays, this new format that I'm trying on Fridays. And I usually run stuff by my ideas. I run it by my partner, Pamela. And she goes, why didn't you call it Flashback Fridays? And I'm like, damn it. That's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Too late to change it. Just delete the last one and re-put it out with a new name. Dude. Not a bad idea. I think that's what yeah. I'm going to do because Flashback Fridays is way better. And I really just need to run every single creative idea I have past Pamela because she's way smarter than me. But yeah, is she into like punk music and stuff too? She is. She's definitely into it way more since being with me for the last five and a half years. But she grew up listening to Dookie and Enema of the State and MXPX. Okay. Right so on. she definitely had those foundational pop punk albums in her yeah. repertoire. And we're discovering bands that she likes now. She really likes The Main. That's a band that we've oh yeah we've gravitated towards and really bonded over. And even a band like Mayday Parade and State Champs and Seaway too oh, we yeah. liked their last two records quite a bit and they're a lot of fun live if you haven't seen them live they're great which one seaway seaway yeah they're a yeah. lot of fun yeah i uh yeah i did see them live a few times cool I actually well yeah the last time i didn't i didn't really actually love them live it was just i don't know maybe because i didn't know what to i didn't know a lot of their discography at that point and uh, yeah. I think they were touring with Silverstein. So I had gone to see Silverstein and uh, yeah. it was just a little too like boppy for me. And, and, I, and I get that's kind of their thing. So I'd kind of lost interest, but then yeah, big vibe is like, Oh, I, I want to see them live again. Like maybe that would change my perspective of them. So, yeah. Maybe I mean, just yeah. knowing the songs. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm uh, just not in the mood for it or something. So that's a band too. You mentioned Silverstein. I think the first time I heard Seaway <clears throat> was when Ryan was on the lead singer syndrome. I think that's what made me check okay. them out initially. Yeah. These podcasts, man. Yeah. Those bands out. Yeah. Well, I love that podcast too. And yeah, I kind of have a random history with Silverstein or just kind of a roundabout story again with playing in a band and, so, uh, yeah, so I stay in touch with a few of those guys too. So it's cool. Cool. That's awesome. Classic band, man. They've been doing it yeah. forever. I've gotten into them a lot more on the last, maybe like four full lengths. So basically since they got that new guitarist, um, Paul, 
Is that yeah, his name? Paul. Yeah. So he joined, uh, I think it was the album. Uh, this is the way the wind shifts. Yeah. So kind of from there on, I really loved the band. Everything before, it was always like a little bit too light for me. You know, I wasn't as much into the kind of screamo. I loved punk and hardcore and metal. And But they were, you know, their first, you know, three, four albums. It was always just like not quite what I loved. But yeah, yeah they've, I don't know, they've just, and they've also just gotten really good songwriting and anyways i I really love their last even their last one which has a bit different of a sound like i don't know i just thought they did it super well and super catchy and i love it dude i love the last record i listened to that one quite a bit that's when when i'm listing i've been listening to a lot lately when they put out that single with caleb from beartooth yeah burn it it down i think that's what it's called yeah yeah that song's a ripper man that song is classic that's to me what i think post-hardcore should sound like that it perfectly encapsulates it's got great production it's heavy, but it's really catchy at the same time. The chorus yeah. is really big. They have an album that I think you should check out. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, 2009 record, probably just before you really started listening to them. Maybe a few years before. Yeah, it's, how the, it's called A Shipwreck in the Sand. You may oh, have listened yeah. to it before. I would revisit that one. I think that might be one of my favorite earlier Silverstein records. They went back to Cameron Webb, actually, the same guy that did their second record, the yeah. really big popular one. It's heavy. It's fast. There's some skate punk sounding songs on there, like okay. some double time. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of guest vocalists that are on that record too. So it gives it some dynamics, but I think that might be one of my favorite records of theirs oh, that I really, have to go really back. dig. Still sounds great too. Even for being 12 years old, the recording still sounds awesome. And some of their catchiest choruses and stuff are on that record. Yeah, right on. Yeah, super stoked for the new Beartooth too. As you mentioned, yeah. that I, I love that band. And great band. I'm, yeah, a few weeks and we'll have a new album from them. So stoked on that. Yeah, good times. So you're excited for that one. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, I'll shut up now and we can all go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, thanks again, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I can't wait to hear more episodes of Growing Up Punk. Is there anything you want to plug besides the podcast? Check out my LinkedIn. It's got no information on it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn. Do you know I was thinking is? Linktree because you've got a Linktree on your Instagram. Uh, I was like, no, there's stuff on there. Well, that would make more sense to check that out. But <laughs> yeah, so I just had to be an ass and say something <laughs> sarcastic. Yeah, nothing else really that. If yeah, if you like what we've talked about on this, then maybe you'll like growing up punk. Maybe you won't. That's okay. You absolutely will. I guarantee it. And check out your band, Means. It's always good to listen to new bands and stuff. Yeah, come on. I got to get some royalties so I can send my kids to college. (laughs) Yeah, I still, I've had both of my bands, their entire discography up on the streaming sites, and I have yet to recoup my money, the money spent getting those songs up on those streaming sites. Okay. So someday... Someday I'm yeah. like, you know, yeah. it, it, it has been face down. Yeah. Like awesome label. We, you know, we still pretty seldom now. I mean, we've been done for 10 years and there's still kind of royalties that trickle in here and there, you know, they re- re-released both of our albums on vinyl. And so, you know, that created a bit of income. So I, yeah, very good. That, that actually is a thing to get some royalties, which is funny because so many big bands that we know and love have had various lawsuits with labels where they don't get any and yeah anyway sorry i said i would stop talking so no worries man (laughs) i'm just stoked that you're getting some royalties from your old band that's awesome yeah Yeah. 20 bucks every six months that's enough for college right (laughs) yeah i think so all right man well dude have a wonderful night and have a wonderful rest of your week thanks for doing this i'm sure i'll keep in touch but i look forward to hearing all the new episodes and everything so yeah take care and stay cool up there in canada yeah thanks man keep up the great work too thanks man i appreciate it yeah, you too. All right, buddy. See ya. See ya, man. I'm tired.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later.